If you love Jesus, say he's good. If you're happy to be here, say I am. If you know that he's the King of kings and Lord of lords and he died for you and that makes us a fantastic day, say uh-huh. Good. Well, did some of you get some presents? We threw a little presents out. All right, all right. If you, if you got something, hold it, in your, hold it up. I want to see it, all right? All right, there it is, some hats. If you got a hat, put your hat on. Put your hat on. Here's what's going on. For us, this is our birthday party, and so we, we're really excited to, to party with you guys. And so for us, it's kind of like a, a, a new thing that God is birthing, so we decided to call it a birthday and uh, throw a birthday party and give you all the presents. And so there's some presents there for you. And uh, I'm excited to be with you tonight. And so first thing I want to do in order to connect with you is I want you to meet the people who are most important in my life. And so will you give a huge welcome to my wife, Renata, and my little tribe as they come out. This is my wife, Renata, and my little kids. All right. Hi, Addy. Okay. All right. Come here, Doss. All right. We just wanted you guys, I wanted you to meet them. What? Say hi. You say no. Hi? Okay. All right. Okay. This is my wife, Renata, and just, she wants to just greet you real quickly, and then I'll introduce the kids here. Hi, Tag. I just want to tell you guys that we are just so excited to be with you, to serve you, to love you, to pastor you, and... Um, you know, just David's in my process over the last few months. We've just prayed, and the Lord has led us here. And I just, I just want you to know um, how much we love you and how excited we are. Um, so this is Dawson. You wanna- Wait, let me give it to Dawson last because he's going to preach. Here, I'll give it to you last because he's going to preach. All right. This is Addie. Addie, can you say hi? No. No. Can you say hello? No. Okay. All right. All right, Olivia. Can you say my name is Adeline? Yeah. 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 No, Daddy. It's your turn. My turn? Okay. This is Olivia. Do you want to say anything? No. Hi. Hi. Okay. All right. And this is my boy, Dawson. Dawson, come on up here, bud. All right. Yeah. And Dawson wanted to preach tonight. You want to say anything to these guys? <laughs> All right, give me a high five. All right, give me a high five. Okay. All right. Will you guys give them a shout out here? All right, love you guys. All right, come on. All right, say bye-bye. Bye. Bye. All right. Okay. All righty, righty. Well, we've got a generation to reach. Let's go to work. Open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 5, and let's pray together. Father, we love you so much. And God, we're so thankful for the privilege to be your sons and your daughters. God, we're so thankful for what you've given us in each other. The privilege to have hundreds of other young people that are running after you with all their hearts. God, we pray that as you, uh, that you would open your word to us tonight, that we would become more and more of your people, that our lives would be more and more transformed into your image. God, we ask, Lord, that you would help us to dream like we've never dreamed before. God, we ask that you would give us authentic faith 
to see something more than what we could build, but something that's only God, something that's an all God movement. Or at the end of the day, people would see you. We love you. We honor you. And everybody said amen. Amen. There's a war going on, and the war of the ages is not over the money in the world. The war of the ages is not over the land. It's not over boundary lines and barriers. The war of the ages really has nothing to do with technology. The war of the ages is actually going on over your heart. So when we look toward the future, when you look at your life and the dignity that you exist by virtue of the fact that you have a redeemer that has died for you, one of the ways that we find identity is knowing that when Jesus went to the cross, he went with a reason, he went with a purpose, and he had something in mind, and it's us. And so when you look at the war of the ages, many people think that the war of the ages right now is over land. You know, who, who, who possesses land? I imagine the God of the ages who created all things going, yeah, in the end, I think I win. You know, right now there's people that are fighting over money fighting over all kinds of just different international wealth, trade. But at the end of the day, you know, we know Haggai 2 says that God says, all the gold is mine, everything is mine. We know that even when there's an explanation of heaven, that there's streets of gold, and the idea is that there's more wealth in and through, he has all things. And we sing about that all the time. It's all God's. So realistically, nobody holds a candle to God. You know, in the war of the ages, though, it's not over the land and it's not, it's not over gold, it's not over technology. I mean, if God is the creator and God has all the gold and all the diamond, everything's his. Even when you look at technology, it's not over technology. It's not, I mean, the war of the ages isn't over that. I mean, that's a big deal. There's billions of dollars spent on it. And, you know, we've got things coming out every day and, But realistically, even if you look at what the creator of the universe, when it comes to technology, I mean, realistically, he just kind of sneezes and Job 26 says he creates in the heavens and the earth. If he wants to just go ahead and bring Elijah up to heaven, he just sends a chariot and Elijah just up to heaven. I mean, that's kind of like iPad, eat your heart out. I mean, in the sense that the power of God is so far beyond any kind of technology, any kind of gold. And yet there is a real battle going on in the sense that There's a real battle that you and I know about that we live in, the battle of the ages, the war that exists. It exists. And I'm not talking about just a war of men fighting men. I'm talking about a battle that goes so far beyond that. When we read the book of Revelation, we see where this thing ends up. The war of the ages is over the passion of your heart. If you, if you as a Christian, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, as one who has said, Jesus is my Lord and my God, if you read the scriptures, we come down to that at the end, where this thing ends up in terms of history, in terms of whether you're, you, you live your whole life and you die, or whether it's just at the very end, no matter how this thing ends, this thing ends with everybody declaring he is big and he is holy and he is awesome and oh, God is big. Let me just read to you Revelation chapter five, all right? If you have your Bibles, let's read there. Then I looked and heard the the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders in a loud voice saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power 
and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And then I heard every creature in heaven, every creature, every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea with all that is within them saying to him who sits on the throne and unto the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said amen and the, and the elders fell down and worshiped. So here's where history culminates. Here's where history ends. Where history ends is every person, every human being, every creature on the earth, above the earth, on the sea, everyone. I mean, there, you can't explain it any more thorough. Everybody ends up saying to him who sits on the throne and under the lamb, be blessing and glory and honor and power forever. That's where this thing ends up. So you can say, hey, I'm really into myself and I'm really into doing what I wanna do. You can say my friends are doing what they wanna do. You can say my parents wanna do what they wanna do. But let me tell you, the way this thing ends up is Jesus is magnified and glorified and everyone says, hi, 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 God's big. Where this thing ends is everyone, literally Philippians 2 says that we all end up with a knee bowed. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. In fact, in Revelation 12, it says that there will be a great multitude of which no one can count from every tongue, tribe, and nation. A great multitude. Not, not like, a, you know, a few of the faithful saints, the nice people. Oh, no. A great multitude. A great multitude. Jesus will receive people that love him with all their hearts. And the war of the ages is over your heart because though that's the end picture, though that's where history ends, you and I live in a very real battle where John 10, 10 says that the enemy comes to steal, rob, and destroy. You know what the enemy wants to destroy? You know what he's out to get? It's not the money of the land. It's not land. He's not out trying to get buildings. No, the enemy has declared war and the enemy is going after your heart. And you live in what look, could look like a big tug of war. Or here you are and you live in a season right now where you get to choose. Are you gonna be a lover of God? Are you gonna be someone who lives with passion for Jesus? And when you read the stories of who he is, Allow that to open up your heart and create passion? Or will you be someone that chooses yourself? Will you allow the lies of the enemy to rob you, to destroy your life? You have friends, you know of people that the enemy is robbing and destroying their life, you know it. And the war of the ages is over your heart. It's like a tug of war. It's like God, you know God is wooing you and God has called you and God loves you and God delights in you. And the enemy wants to crush every truth of the gospel. And there's a tug of war over your heart. And the reality is, is that you, in this little window of 70 to 80 years that you live on the earth, you decide, you decide if you will live with passion for God and if you will allow God to open up your heart or if you allow your worship, your passion to go to anything other than Christ. You see, the great, the great way to live on planet Earth and the great privilege that we possess is to love God with everything that we have. But the war of the ages really is over your heart. And some of you that feel 
lonely, like your life has no meaning, like your life has no dignity? How much identity and dignity do you possess just by finding out that literally the war of the cosmos that, that goes beyond time is over you? Oh, the dignity of the person that gets that. I mean, when the 15-year-old or the 16-year-old starts to understand that, when you start to get that, when that starts to come alive in your heart, you'd be shocked how God starts to grip you when you start to see, wait a minute, the, rea- the reality that God, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son, why? To capture your heart? That doesn't become a Bible verse. That becomes an all-consuming joy and delight and gives your life meaning and purpose and joy. It is, it is the great way to live. To live with passion for God. I'm telling you, that's the way this thing, that's the way that you want to live on the earth. It's passion for Jesus. How do I get it? How do I get passion for God? I'm not talking about that I just jump up and down or that I wear a Christian t-shirt that says kill the devil. Although that's cool. I'm not just talking about, you know, that I, that I do some of the church things. I'm talking about how do I get to where when I wake up in the morning, when I walk through my day, my life has something greater than killing time and comparing myself to my friends and trying to be cool. But there's a way. There's an avenue. And people down throughout the centuries that have embraced it have lived far above those petty things. It's available to you available to me. And we choose if we're going to live it. We choose the degree to which we will live it. You were created by God to give all to him. You work best. The human heart comes alive most when we deny ourselves and give everything and say, I want to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, with everything. How do you get passion for God? How, David? Great, I get it. We're supposed to have it. Great. There's a war over my heart. Fine. How do I cultivate passion for God? Let me tell you this. Jared said it a minute ago. Hebrews 12.2. Here's what we do. Write that down. Hebrews 12.2. Fix your eyes. Everybody point to your eyes. Go like this. I know some of you are too cool. I don't care how cool you are. Tyrell's cooler than you. He's got his eyes. All right. Come on. Some of you that are too cool... You'd be surprised how cool you're not because you're wearing those trucker hats that say Fuego de Dios. And you, it's not that cool, actually. There it is. All right. Lock eyes. All right. Come on. Some of you in the back that are too hip. There it is. Come on. There it is. All right. Here we go. There it is. You fix your eyes. You fix your gaze. You fix your eye. Everything. And what starts to happen, Matthew says that the eye is the lamp of the body. And as you start to fix your eyes on Jesus... As Jesus is really what you choose to gaze on, what you choose to fix your eyes, your heart upon, your heart starts to be transformed over time and you start to love the things that he loves and you start to find yourself loving God. And all of a sudden, the worship moment is far more than just kids jumping up and down in a cool band. All of a sudden, your eyes are fixed on Jesus and you're picturing a real God who sits on a real throne, who died on a real cross, who transformed human history, who to this day baffles historians because of the way that he impacted history, who will return for a bride one day. You start to go, wow, we're 
worthy, worthy is the Lord, holy. And you start to, and it starts to become more than just song, more than just words. It starts to be alive inside of you, inside of your heart. When you start to walk literally through your school and you see that heaven is real and that hell is real and that Jesus literally did the desires, the heart of every person on your campus, then all of a sudden you possess mission on campus. All of a sudden you want even those hours that you have walking on campus to be a lover of God, to be someone that is fulfilling what he wants you to do. I'm telling you, it's possible to literally, when you're jogging, when you're on the treadmill, when you're in PE, when you're doing whatever it is, when you're failing your driver's ed test, whatever it is. You literally can start to have your heart expand more and more in God. It's possible. It's available. I remember hanging out with one of my buds. He's a little bit older than I was. He was going so deep in God and he had passion for God. And when I get around him, I just want to have more passion for God. And we were on a flight together and he literally got out his Bible and he was highlighting the entire time. I was like, dude, there's a free movie on. He was like, I don't care. And I was like, you're weird. And literally we got off of the airplane and we were about to go uh, to, uh, to the church where we were headed to. And literally he was so locked in just praying and seeking God that as we stood at the baggage claim, his bag just went round and round and round because he was just lost. Oh God, he was just praying, seeking God. And I was like, dude, you're weird. Dude, what is it about you? No person has ever impacted my life like that man. Because that man knew God. That man had passion. Man, literally the scriptures were alive to him. Literally the Holy Spirit was not some mystical being that we talked in theoretical terms about, but he was friends of the Holy Spirit. I wanna tell you this tonight, friends. The great way to live on earth, the great way, there's lots of ways. You can live apathetic. You can waste your life. You can live for yourself. You can try to fulfill all the pleasures that America and wealth have to offer. You can pursue sin. There's a lot of ways to live. You can make yourself the center of the world and try to use people. You can aim for fame. You can do a lot of different things, but I know the way that you were created, the way that you therefore function best is this. God of the ages has invited you to love him with all your heart, with all your soul. How do I get it? Fix your eyes. Fix your eyes. Fix your eyes on Jesus. That means that whatever you can get, friends that love God, you want friends that love God. The Bible alive, you want that. An iPod with music and worship on it, you want that. There's so many practical ways to talk about this, but it means this, that at the end, you're consumed with a person, with God. And I want to get real practical here on one, on one tonight, and, and I want to talk about opening the scriptures. One of the things that is so void in our generation is literally meditating on the word of God and finding all that's available. It's so shocking, all that's available in the scriptures, and yet you'd be surprised how many of us, the Bible isn't even a part of our daily lives, let alone trying to have it be multiple times a day, let alone quoting it, let alone even fulfilling what it says to sing it, to sing it. Oh, we, we, we gotta up the ante. We gotta, I mean, God's called us to reach a generation. You're called, you're called to reach your generation. We need to get into what the word has. Let me get Luke 24 for you and then we'll go on. Now that same day, we're in verse 13. Are you here? If you're with me, say aye, aye. All right, here we go. Now that same day, two of them were walking uh, to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. 
So here, let me set the stage. Jesus has already died on the cross, all right? Now Jesus has risen from the dead, and they don't know it yet, and Jesus appears to the road and starts talking with them. There's the story, all right? As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing them. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened here in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. Chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all that took place. In addition, some of, our women, uh, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen visions of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And here it is. Now lock in, here it is. Now here's Jesus. This is Jesus talking to these, to these guys. And he says, and beginning with Moses. So looking back, book of Exodus, all right, back at the beginning of the, of the Bible. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. Let me get that again. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he, Jesus, explained to them, the, the guys, what was said in all the scriptures about himself, about Jesus. You get it? So Jesus is explaining to these guys where he is in the scriptures. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if they were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. Here it is. Look at this. This is so cool. I love this. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he, one, talked with us on the road, and two, opened the scriptures to us? So you gotta, you gotta get this. So here are these disciples and they're sitting with Jesus and they're eating this meal and Jesus goes through the entire Old Testament and he says, let me show you where I'm at in the scriptures. Let me explain to you where I am and let me show you how I'm a fulfillment of what the prophecy said. And let me explain this to you. And he began to explain to them who he was and where to find him in the scriptures. And here's the crazy thing is after Jesus leaves then, there's something supernatural going in the heart of these disciples. It's called passion. It's called reawakening. Something's going alive, coming alive on the inside. And they go, did not our hearts burn within us? We're not our hearts burning. I mean, alive, passion, fervor, what's up factor. When he what? When he talked with us, when God talked to us. And two, when God Open the scriptures to us. Let me tell you this, friends. As you go into the next seven days, as you go into this next week, 
and tell you a secret into cultivating passion for God. Come before God and say, Holy Spirit, open the word of God to me. Reveal Jesus to me. Show me Jesus in your word. Now, I know, I know, I know what it's like in our culture where a lot of times we're like, yeah, I, you know, I feel like I heard God as I was walking or, um, you know, I felt like the Lord spoke to me through a commercial or I was, I looked in my latte and I saw a little cross and I felt like Jesus was talking to me. I know, I, I hear it all the time. And that's cute. That's nice. I like that. But let me tell you the core. Let me tell you something that's so much deeper than that. Let me tell you the invitation you have available to you. Whether you have the Bible on your iPhone, whether you have a Bible that you stole from a hotel, or whether you have that cute Bible that your parents gave you for graduating from something. That right there, that's your secret into the deeper life of God. Have a passion for God. You know what Jesus said to the disciples in John 16, 14? In John 16, 14, Jesus says, the Holy Spirit's gonna come and he's gonna reveal the secrets, the mysteries about me to you. if you're these disciples and all of a sudden my heart's burning you go ding dong Jesus said that back in John 16 no yeah uh huh whoa ah yes he said it he said that the Holy Spirit was going to reveal Jesus to us whoa let me tell you this friends you want to cultivate passion for Jesus it's the way to live it's the greatest way to live on planet earth many of our friends yours mine you don't stop squandering your life in sin as a 30-year-old just because you get older. Unless you make a choice to have passion for Jesus, many will squander their lives. You and I, we get a choice. Are we gonna live with passion or are we gonna live with no passion? And there's a way forward. The great way to live is passion. And there's a hidden mystery. There's a secret. It's called the scriptures. It's been around for a long time. And if you'll take your Bible, I know some of you, you're like, Bible? All I know how to do is spell it because it's a song, you know? B-I-B-I, I mean, that's it. That's all you got. Open it up, and here's what you say, all right? Write this down. Holy Spirit, reveal Jesus to me. I mean, some of you, the best place to start is just start in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. And just Jesus, reveal yourself to me. Holy Spirit, reveal Jesus to me. Because here's what happens. Here's what happens. When we fix our eyes on Jesus, when we gaze on Jesus, when Jesus fills our time, you, it starts to consume you. It starts to become your identity. You start to not care about the other things quite so much. And passion starts to burn in your heart. Passion for God. Passion for Jesus. Passion for God is the greatest way to live. It's the greatest way to, to live. And you know, even when we look at what's most important, like I said, the war of the ages is over the passion of your heart, your heart. I'm not talking about your parents' heart. I'm not talking about people that, you know, that have already died in history. I'm not talking about just, out there. I'm talking right now, 2010, your heart. Your heart. Well, no, maybe my dad's heart because, you know, he's 50 and old, you know. Maybe my mom's heart, maybe my older brother's heart, you know, he's in college and so he thinks. Yeah, right. No, your heart. Right here, right now, no matter where you're at. No matter what's going on, your heart, let me tell you this, imagine this moment, okay? 
Jesus is God. You believe that? If you believe that, say, I do. Okay, so Jesus, okay, it, all right. So get this. So Jesus is God. And literally, the teachers of the law, the Pharisees and the Sadducees in Matthew 22 have come up to him periodically. And they've been come up to him asking him questions. About, so, you know, they're trying to trick him and trap him. And then they come up to him and they say, all right, tell us, young rabbi from Galilee, tell us. They say this, and this is the, the fact that Jesus answers this question is like, I mean, you know, we're the generation that's just like, just shoot it to me straight, man. Just tell me what to do, right? I mean, that's what, that's what we love, right? We just love, you know, give me, give me you know, how to, how to, you know, do this life right for dummies. You know, that's kind of how we like, just shoot to me straight. This, it's, if, you, if you're that kind of person, Matthew 22 is for you because it's real simple. Because they come to him, they say, tell us, tell us what's the greatest commandment. And Jesus actually answers them. So if you, if you and I are sitting there in human history, can you imagine if we could, it would just be like, oh my goodness, Jesus is gonna simplify this and make this really easy. Sitting there, Matthew 22, and Jesus says, all right, I'll tell you the greatest commandment. He leans over, squints his eyes, puts out his fist. Man, I created the earth, and I can, I, can, I can mess this thing up in a minute. Fear me. No. That's not what he does. You want to know the greatest commandment? Jesus goes, all right, all right. Sit down, little kids. Let me show you my powers. Obey me. tell you what I'm looking for. See, the essence of who I am, 1 John 3 says that he lavished his love on us. When we look, even when we look at creation, we see his love for us. The very fact, John 3, 16, that he would give us his son is an expression of his love for us. And when he looks at human beings, he says, let me get this really simple for you says, and I think a smile. Now, I don't know this, but the Perkins version is a wink. I think he goes, love me with all your heart, with all your soul. You know what? I'm not asking you to do something that I haven't already done. I am the example of love. I, I, in fact, greater love has no man, no one ever than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. I'm about to lay down my life for you. I am love. All I ask is that you love me like I love you. Love back. You see, John 17 is called the high priestly prayer. And it's the prayer that Jesus prays right before he goes to the cross. And in John 17, right before he embraces the cross, Jesus' prayer says, Father, I desire that they would love me like You know, he's praying for? He's praying for, you know, like super intelligent people in their 70s. He's praying for someone back in church history. No. He's praying for you. He's praying for me. Right now, our lives. He says, Father, I pray that there would be people that love me the very way that you love me. That's a lot of love. Here's what I think. I'm quite convinced that there's not a prayer that Jesus prays that goes unanswered. 
I just think that when God prays to God, God goes, okay, God, I'll answer God's prayer. I just can't imagine God getting to, you know, Jesus getting to heaven and being like, all these unanswered prayers, you know? It's the end of history, and I didn't get what I asked for. Wrong. There will be a tribe of people that love, like, with all their heart, all their soul, all their mind. There will be people that the finished work of Jesus on the cross, the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives, revealing the scriptures to them, will cause them to live with great love, great desire, great passion. And of course, love leads to fearing God and love leads to obedience and love leads to righteousness and love leads to living on mission and love leads to evangelism and love leads to dying for the nations and wanting the nations to know Christ and love leads to a whole lot of things. But at the core, at the very essence is this. And you know what is greater than one teenager that loves God with all their heart? I mean, a teenager that loves God with all their heart is pretty stunning. I'll tell you what's something greater. Two. Two teenagers that love God. You going for this? Yeah, I'm in. You going for it? Uh, yeah, I, are, are you in? Uh-huh. Rock on. Like for life. Uh-huh. You know what's better than two? Three. You know where this is going? I want you to imagine with me a hundred. I don't know if we've got it or not. I don't know where you're at in your journey. But what would happen if we had a hundred teenagers that really loved God with all their heart? I mean, Christ was everything to them. Like tonight's talk is like elementary for them. Or what would happen beyond a hundred? What about 500? Would shake a city. about a thousand? A thousand? Holy cabooses, Cornelius. You serious? A thousand. I'm telling you, it could happen. It could happen. It could happen. I don't want to read. I don't want to read about church history, about moves of God in church history. I've been doing that for a long time. I'm tired of it. I want to live it. I want to see it. I want to see history in front of my I want to behold it with my own eyes. I want to see it. In the days ahead, what happens if a thousand young men and women in this house, in this house, and it impacts the nation, maybe, the state, possibly. In a few weeks, on February 24th, we're going to have a night of desperation. We're going to invite Colorado to come. My prayer is that in those three weeks, that TAG sets the standard for the state. That when they get here, they see, they see young men and women who their eyes have beheld him. And when their eyes behold him, they go, you know what? God is bigger than all of technology, all of money, all of my, all the little petty relationship. God is awesome. God, and they're worshiping with everything that they have. And that literally little youth groups from rural Colorado come in and their jaw drops and they'll go, what's with those guys? And we can tell them it's God. No, 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 it's not God. It's because John Egan's so cool and his hair sticks up. no. No, 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 it's because they have lights, not at all. No, 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 it's because Jared is such a good fisherman and he's so cool and he just stands up there and he looks like GQ. No, it's not it. No, it's because they have this little squeaky youth pastor that screams a lot, not that either. I'll tell you what it is. It's this. 
what happens if a few weeks from now, when we invite churches from across Colorado to enter into this building and worship God with us, if literally, literally the presence and the power of God is so strong that literally we see people healed, that literally we see kids give their lives to Christ, what would happen? What would happen if that room was filled with 10,000 teenagers lovesick for God? What would happen? Let me tell you something. We had 8,000 there this summer. We had 8,000. It's not enough. 8,000 drains me. 8,000. Come on. God's call on this tribe is far bigger than that. Far bigger than that. 8,000 isn't enough. And of those, I don't know how many of those are lovesick for God, but here's where we will not stop. We will not stop. I'm not talking about how many attend our meetings. I'm talking about how many are in love with the man Jesus and want to give all that they have to him. We will not stop until we see, I see a thousand young men and women in this house that are living this. I don't know how many come to our meetings. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God, and they've got a vision and a mission for their life. I see a thousand. I see a thousand kids that literally a wall can't stop them. Literally, the the, the devil's schemes can't stop them. Nothing can stop them. Friends, what God wants to do in the years ahead is mind-blowing. It has nothing to do with buildings, staff, or any of that. It has everything to do with a man named Jesus who promised if if we would come after him, he'd set our hearts on fire that literally he will cause our hearts to cultivate great passion. It's all God. It's all Jesus. We have the invitation. Will you stand with me? That's you tonight. You go count me in. I mean, really, like I'm gonna be, I want to grow in passion. Not that you're there, not that you're perfect, but you want great passion for Jesus in your heart. And this week, I'm not talking theoretically out there, you know, somewhere over the rainbow, you know, I'm talking about now. This, I'm talking about tomorrow. You go, I am in. I want to be a lover of God. I want the first commandment fulfilled in my life. As far as it comes to me, I'm going to know God. I'm going to live with passion. I'm going to know God. If that's you tonight, just raise your hand like this, and I want to pray for you. Jesus, here we are, a small band of willing ones, but we're willing. We're willing. We just live in a small town on on the north side next to a mountain range. But God, we know that you've offered us the invitation to love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We know that the war of the ages is over our heart. And God, we want passion in our inner man. I don't want to live. We don't want to live for the things of the day. Holy Spirit, would you pour out the love of God into our hearts tonight? God, we just take, we stand on Romans 5. Holy Spirit, pour out the love of God into our hearts tonight. God, have your way. Supernaturally touch us tonight. Let young men and women get a vision to be passionate for Jesus this week. Open up the word of God. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would reveal Jesus to them. Open up their hearts. invite the staff to come forward staff if you would come on up
want to get to know some of you. Some of you, your visitors, this is your first time here. We'd like to get to know you. We're going to be up here. We'd love to hang with you. And um, we got a lot of good things coming the days ahead. First thing is this, February 24th. Well, our plan, or for years, we've done nights of desperation across the country, but we're going to do one here, February 24th, just getting started. It's going to be a night of prayer, night of worship, night of seeking God. John's going to lead us. And uh, I want to encourage you, whatever you do, don't miss that night. It's going to be a powerful night. February 24th, we're starting this new series, and uh, we've got, a, we've got a, a new team in place. We've got new uh, interns here that want to meet you. And so uh, we're just going to hang out up, up here. Some of you, you want to go to the Tag Cafe when we're done here. That's cool. Uh, but we want to try to get to know some of you. And I, I want this to kind of be like a holy moment. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just, I, I believe that some of you may even want prayer. And if you want prayer, you can come up here and ask a staff member to pray for you. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. There's nothing special about them. I mean, there's a couple things special about Daniel Webb because he's from England, but that's it. All right. There's, there's, there's nothing special about these guys. You can look at your friends. Let me tell you, when I was in high school, I, 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 my, my buddies were the ones that asked to pray for me. I didn't give a rip about my youth pastor, you know? Now I'm gonna get some of that back. But anyway, but, but listen, you can pray for each other. You can look and say, you know what? That kid preaching today, I, I want that. You, yeah, you, yeah, you with the funny thing on your face. Here, you pray for me. Let me pray for you. Let's go for this. Let's give ourselves to this, all right? We love you. God bless you. We'll see you here next week. Um, If we don't see you before, have a great night. We'd love to meet you if you want to come forward. Have a great night. See you later. Peace.